0: Listening to the Abide podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to abidechurchfl.com and enjoy today's message. I want to get right into the word um, today. We're going to read a lot of scriptures that are not typically read in church. I was I was talking to Tommy, and he's like, "Are you preaching today?" I said, "I am," but it's it's not a harsh word; it's a hard word. And part of what let me start here in Galatians. Paul is talking to the church of Galatia, and he says to them that some have come with a contrary or different gospel. There was a gospel that was being proclaimed even in the early days of the church, but Paul was adamantly going against it because he's like, man, it sounds like the gospel, but it's a different gospel. It sounds like the right thing, but it's lacking power. And, and what was happening at that time was the Judaizers were trying to go take them back to an old form of religion. And he's saying to them, you've got to learn to live free in Christ. Christ has made you free, so live free. But I even feel today in our church, there's lots of opinions and things to say about the American church. And honestly, a lot of it's negative, but I believe God is not done with the church. I believe God is very intentional with his church, and he will return for a pure and spotless bride. Even as we've been leading into this, this theme of harvest where Jesus sees the harvest and he's, he asks us as people, pray for laborers because the harvest is ready but the laborers are few. Right? So it's not a harvest problem. What's the problem? It's a laborer's problem. But what I want to kind of hone in on today is, and I, I want to make us aware of, is God is very intentional with the kind of laborers that he sends into the harvest. Now just because somebody goes does not mean they are sent. There are many going that aren't being sent, and those are two different things. When God sends you, is different than you going. You could hear a good motivational message and go, but it doesn't necessarily mean you were sent. And much of what we see going on today, I believe there are many who are disenfranchised with God. They're bitter, they're offended with God and His church. And it's not because God wasn't with them, it's because they went and they weren't sent. You see, when you go and you are sent, there's favor, there's anointing, there's opening. We don't, always, we don't always assume that because something's hard, it's not God. We see the biblical narrative that many times when the apostles would move into a region, there was opposition. So we don't deem the, the assignment as God by the openness of the assignment. But there should be a conviction that God is sending us. That we are a people, as I said last week, where God is asking us as a people to join him on his mission. And so today, the very simple like thesis of my message is, are you joining God on his mission and are you a follower of Christ? It's the question I really want to hone us in on today. I know many of you would assume because in the South, everybody's a Christian. Everybody's Republican, everybody's a Christian. But but like even as we're going through the day, I just want you to think like what does it mean for us as a community, as God is calling us out, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? I believe even today to be a Christian can be a very convoluted statement. What does it mean? What's the ideology? What's the foundation of being a Christian? You go to 10 different churches and they're all going to tell you very different things. But but I just want to... What it say to you, the Bible's very clear. Yes. And in a world that is gauging success by the amount of people in crowds, as I'm reading the biblical narrative, Jesus was very intentional about dwindling the crowd as they gathered. Yes. Because he was more intentional about the quality than the quantity. Yes. Now I know, I know healthy things grow, but so does cancer. So you can't always assume that just because something's growing, it's healthy, but you've got to get, you've got to get the right questions to get the right answers. And so today I'm not trying to put a false burden on anybody. Actually, I just want to read the Bible and I'm asking you to not assume that this is not about you because this is the main problem we have. We read the scriptures with somebody else in mind. Because there's always somebody who's a little bit more jacked up than you. You're like, ah, it's not me, Joe. Joe's really got it messed up. Sorry, where's Joe? Joe's on camera. Bless you, Joe. It's not personal. But the point is, that's how we act. Because we're, we feel like we're a little further along. The scriptures, they no longer really wound us. And in in a world where it's like, well, I follow. Okay, let me give you an example. What does it mean to follow anymore? If you've got an Instagram, you're following a thousand people. But that, that word following is very different than what Jesus is inviting us into. And I want to kind of differentiate those two because sometimes I feel like to be a Christian and to be a disciple are two very different things. And again, you may be over here, and I'm not even mad at it because... For, for it feels like two decades, the church has so watered down the gospel and watered down the message that we have been given, I would, I, would, I would say to you a contrary gospel. I would submit that to you. That it's a gospel that it sounds good and it makes us feel warm and fuzzy, but it does not break the yoke of sin. It gathers people in buildings, but it does not take territory. And so we get into moments and we build bigger buildings and we put more people in them and we feel good about our programs because they're full and we're doing the machine. But, but, but what's sobering for me is in Matthew 7 where Jesus says, there will be many who stand before me and say, Lord, Lord. I mean, this is what I'm saying. Like, I don't think any of us should disqualify ourselves from this. Now, I know that we are saved by grace And we should be secure in this grace. I'm not trying to have anybody leave the building feeling insecure in who they are in Jesus. At the same time, Jesus' call to become a follower was not bow your head and say these words. Jesus' invitation to a people was to drop nets, leave tax collector booths. It was a radical turning of life unto a new way. To the point where when somebody would be a follower of Jesus, they were called a follower of the way. Because what was implied is I was going one way, but now that I've met this man, I'm going a whole new way. And I feel like for some of us in this room, it's, it's one of those like DTR moments. How many of you, when you've been in a relationship, you hit a moment in the relationship where it's time to define the relationship? right? It's cool for a little bit. You can text back and forth, warm fuzzies. You got it going on. You feel great. But at a certain point, it's like, hey, what are we really doing here? Like, what are we? Is this exclusive? Are you doing this with everyone? So let me take you back to 2009 Gio. She said, tell him. 2009 Gio was a very broken individual. And so from 2008 to 2009, I was on a covenant. Now, Destiny was the covenant police. For me, covenant was like, wow, I'm just trying not to say cuss words. You don't want me to sit next to a girl? And so for a year, it was probably the best thing for me. But when 2009 came, covenant was over, and Gio was free. And so 2009, we go to a retreat. Me and Destiny start texting. Destiny's my wife, the one who's singing with the hat. And we start texting. But the issue is, for me, I'm like, I'm not dating you. We're talking. Now, destiny did not have the same ideology. So there came a moment where there was like two or three people I was texting. Oh, so judgy, praise God. Wow. There came a moment where she texted me and she's like, hey, you can do that, but you ain't going to do it with me. This is an example of defining the relationship. I'm like, whatever. I'm, there's two other girls I'm talking to. It is what it is. But, but then it came a moment where I missed texting her. And in order for me to pursue this, I had to let go of that. And we no longer do this in church. It's like Jesus has become an additive. No, you could have Jesus and everything else, but that's just not what the Bible says. And so... No shade. This is no shame. This is like, I, I I prayed for three days that nobody would leave this building feeling bad, but actually to feel empowered. Because when Jesus calls you to a way of life, he empowers you to live it. Yes. It's not that he's calling you to something impossible. With the invitation to live holy, he gives you the spirit to empower you to live holy. Yes. With the invitation to go into the harvest, he empowers you to be a bold and effective witness in the harvest. So again, this is, this is good news, I want to remind you. The gospel is good news. But, but for us, I just, mean as a family, it's like it's time to define the relationship. Like what are we actually doing? Right? No, I know you're a Christian. You go to church every Sunday. You give. You've got three Bibles. You forsook Harry Potter because it's witchcraft. I get it. Right? Thank you. Somebody felt that. But like actually, when we're reading the Bible, uh, you know, Jesus had one message. His message was the gospel of the kingdom. Everywhere he went, there was a message he was proclaiming to a people and he was inviting them into this kingdom. Now... Everybody had a different idea of what Jesus meant when he said, I'm establishing my kingdom. Because at that time, the most powerful kingdom was Rome. And Rome was effective. It was the most powerful maybe kingdom ever. They would go into regions and what they would do, their ideology wasn't let's get everybody to Rome. It was let's get Rome to them. Yeah. So they would establish these leaders and plant them in regions. And the point of the leader was to create Rome in that region. Yeah. You, are you tracking with me? So when Jesus came and he said, I've come to establish my kingdom, half of the people thought, here comes war Jesus. And it's why they were so offended because that wasn't his way. His kingdom was of another world. And so here's what we've got to get over. Jesus is not going to do everything the way you think he's going to do it. But make no mistake, his message is the message of the kingdom. And it's his kingdom, it's his rule, it's his reign. And in a world that is me-centric and all about my wants and my desires, it's, it's anti-gospel. And, and it is demonic. And I feel like we just want to go directly at it. We don't want to like, we don't want to pull punches. We want to actually say, Jesus' way is better than any way of the world. There is nothing. Are you alive? Oh, it's too much. I haven't even started reading the scriptures. There, there is Way more available for you on this side, right? And we don't even talk about this. Listen, if this is God and this is the devil and this is the middle of the road, if this is the fence, the devil owns the fence. It's not trying to see how close we can get to the enemy's side without compromising. It's asking the right questions, which is, I wonder how much of my heart I can give him. I wonder how free I can be from the things of the world and the desires and the ambitions, even within the church. You can be in the church serving all the days of your life and be full of selfish ambition. But Jesus is giving us grace to be free from that. And the way to be free from that is to be delivered from this kingdom, from this empire, and to step into his. To step into a new way of life and to Define the relationship. To not assume that I know everything that's going on, I've got it all figured out. But we see this, I mean, we were just talking last week about the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you remember? Jesus gives us a description of a people who He is producing through His kingdom. What is He doing through Matthew 5? He is identifying the culture of His kingdom. Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are those who are persecuted. He is giving us the culture of the kingdom. He talks to us about forgiving one another. He talks to us about not worrying, not giving ourselves to anxiety. And even amidst all of this, you see in Matthew 8. Let's turn to Matthew 8. I'm going to read some scripture now. Now this can I just say something? This is if if the gospel of the kingdom is Jesus' main message, then why do we never talk about it? I've done seven years, that's eight, but seven years collectively of schooling. I never had one class on the kingdom. I had a class on how to how to preach, how to read the Bible how to evangelize, how to build all of those things, not one class on the kingdom of God. I just want to give you a state of where we're at again, right? And so we, that's why I want to say it's important for us to engage in this way because we've made all the wrong things right and all the right things wrong. So in, in, in chapter 8 of Matthew Jesus cleanses a leper. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He heals others. But in verse 18, I don't know what your description says. Mine says, discipleship is tested. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to cast off for the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Then a scribe came and said to him, Master, I will accompany you wherever you go. What a statement. Wherever you go, I go right? He sees Jesus' miracles. He sees the signs. He sees the wonders. But Jesus says to him, foxes have holes and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another says to him, Lord, allow me first to go bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the, bear, the dead bury the dead. And, and I want to point out, I mean, there's so much we can pull out of that. But the point is this, Every time someone was trying to tether themselves to Jesus, he never made it easy for them. It wasn't like, hey, let's, let's make it as comfortable and as easy as possible for you to follow me. The, the idea there is if you're really going to follow me, you better make sure you count the cost of what it means to be a follower of me. Don't attach yourself to me just because you saw me heal Mary, Peter's mom. Don't attach yourself to me just because you see the activity. I may not have no place to sleep tonight, and I just want you to get a full picture that while you're in the Disney World moment where everything's going great and everybody's amassing, there may be a moment of difficulty that may cause you to, to question your following of me. And I don't know why we never talk. I mean, I can't remember the last time I heard a message, and this has really been rocking me. I have spent the last probably two weeks just listening to the words of Jesus. Jesus. Just turning off the books. I listened to a lot of audio books. Just, I just felt like, man, I, just, I want to get Jesus' words inside of me. I want to hear them. I want them to wash. How many of you know the, the word washes us? It says the washing of the water, it washes us. And for the last few weeks, just on, on, on my Bible app, you know what's crazy? I couldn't find anything that would just read me Jesus' words. I searched it unless it was in the King James. And I'm like, I'm just not ready for that level of commitment. There was nowhere. So I I threw up a slide. There's a slide up there. This is what I've been going over. And it's just many of the teachings of Jesus. You may want to take a picture and just commit, commit a week to just listening to his words and watch what it does to your soul. Just go on the Bible app and just let it play. Close your eyes and watch what it does to your soul. Just turn everything else off and just let the words of Jesus wash over you. Watch how you wake up in the morning. Watch how your interactions change. I was at Olive Garden the other day having a meeting. I walked out of Olive Garden, and I walked into the parking lot, and the night before I had just been listening to Matthew 25 as I was going to bed. Matthew 25, it talks about people who Jesus says, I, I needed food, but you didn't feed me. And I was thirsty, but you gave me no drink. I was naked, but you didn't clothe me. And then they asked when, and he says, if you didn't do it for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. So I'm walking to my car, and I see this guy coming to me with a, with, with a, um, a shopping cart. And the moment we engage, he immediately starts to apologize. And I'm not a, he said, I'm not a bum. I'm not a bum. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia. And the moment he started talking to me, I couldn't even hear what he was saying. All I could hear was Matthew 25. I felt so, like, seen by, like, God was watching me. I said, hey, bro, you don't have to explain anything to me. What do you need? He's like, I need $60. I went into my car, pulled what I had, said, can I pray for you? I would submit to you that my soul posture would have been very different had I not had Matthew 25 playing over me the night before. This is the power of God's word washing over us. Where we don't run into somebody and we begin to assess, are they worthy of my money? I wonder what they're going to do. It's not our job. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. What they do with what we give is, Jesus doesn't say you get to evaluate that. He says the thirsty give them drink, the hungry give them food. And let me work out the details in the meantime. But I'm telling you as a people now, because we've institutionalized, this is the main thing I'm running against now. As we've been preaching about harvest and road, we're like, hey, we want to reach the lost. Hey, we want to disciple. We want to go after the harvest. And then they come, well, what are you doing? What are we doing as a church? I'm like, exactly. What are you doing? What are you doing as the church? Right? We're like, We want to flip the script. We can't, we can't do all, of, all that the Bible has mandated is not meant to be institutionalized and ran through a 501c3. The purpose of a church, are you hearing me? The purpose of a church is to help a people discover who they are so that they go live it out there. It's not to build an empire. It's not to build more services. It's to raise up a company of people that love well, go low, serve, and give their lives. I want to say to you, Jesus is a cause worth giving your life for. It's not something that we give 10%. It's not something we schedule into our lives. Jesus made it clear. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the what? Oh, but why do we find so much life outside of him? I'm talking about me. There are so many times where I will feel my soul pulled in a different direction, and I'm asking God for grace in this season. God, I want my life not just, I don't want you to be a part of my life. I want my life to revolve around your kingdom, your ways, your purposes. Not around the church, not around programs, not around Sundays. Are you hearing me? I don't want to live and die by Sunday. What are you going to do if another pandemic hits? Depression 2.0. If we don't stabilize ourselves now, understanding that we are a kingdom of priests and Jesus has invited us into a way of life, young person, I see so many young people, there is something worth giving your life for. That no four year degree, get the four year degree, be faithful, do whatever, but let your life be anchored on Jesus. Give your life to Him. Memorize his words. Let them get deep in you, or else we run the risk of being a John Six people. Now, John Six to me is one of the saddest chapters of the Bible. Let's go to John chapter six. Can you hear my water, love? Right there, we can do it. Yeah, we got it. Teamwork makes the dream work. John six, turn it. I want you to see it. Are you bored? Are you okay? Marcus is okay. We we, we read John 15 a lot. I get that. But John 15, uh, I can't say it yet because it will mess everything up. After this, Jesus went to the other side of Galilee. A large crowd was following him. Why were they following him? Read it. Why were they following him? A large crowd was following him because they had seen signs, attesting miracles, which he continually performed on those who were sick, which, which tells us something. The people were following Jesus because of his hand, not his heart. This is so important for us that we don't just follow Jesus because of what he can do for us, but we follow him because we love him. This is why I'm not convinced today that I can tell you to bow your head, close your eyes, say 17 words, and now you are in the kingdom. Yeah. I know it's it's so hard because we've heard the opposite. But I'm telling you, those who stand radiant before God are those who have given him their lives. I feel the tension. It's okay. Jesus went up on the mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was approaching. Jesus looked up at the crowd who was coming towards him. And he said, where will we buy bread for these people to eat? So the crowds, let's give context. The crowds were gathering because of the miracles. Now there's a need. There are thousands of people, right? We know there are 5,000 men. You had women and children. There could be 15,000 people. The disciples were asking, well, how are we going to feed these people A little kid shows up with a happy meal. He's got some fish, he's got some loaves. He shows up with his little happy meal, and you know the story, right? If you read the story, if you don't know, go read it. Jesus multiplies the happy meals, and now everybody's happy because they've got their meal. Everybody's happy because Jesus is around, and Jesus is doing the Jesus thing. Now we come to a moment where Jesus leaves because it says they were wanting to make him king, verse 15. Verse 15. Jesus knew they were wanting to make him king so he left. The disciples follow him, they find themselves in a storm. It's so contrary. How many of you like this message? If you follow Jesus tomorrow, you may find yourself in a storm. I don't know about I don't know if you lift your hand for that message. I want that one. No, really. You may follow him tomorrow and you may find yourself in the middle of a storm and Jesus nowhere to be found. That's what he says. Jesus wasn't in the boat. He walks up to the boat. They don't recognize him. They're afraid. He speaks, but then you move on. And we get into this moment where the people are gathering again. And Jesus says this, verse 26, Jesus answered, I assure you and say to you, you have been searching for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures. To eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for God the Father has authorized him and put his seal on him. Then they asked him, What are we to do so that we may habitually be doing the work of God? Jesus says, This is the work of God that you believe. This word believe means to adhere, to trust, to rely in the one whom he sent. And Jesus is now beginning to separate the sheep and the goat, the wheat and the tear. This is what's happening. The many have gathered because they want to see Jesus who passes out Happy Meals. The only issue is Jesus is no longer handing out Happy Meals. The point he's trying to get to is, hey, the loaves and the fishes were to attest of me. And what I'm wanting to give you is not Happy Meal. It's true food and true drink. I know that you're caught up in what I can give to you, but what I'm trying to give to you goes far beyond all that I'm giving you now. And it's so interesting because the further Jesus goes into the invitation, the more offended they become with his words. Because they're feeling this tension of, no, 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 we want to go back to Happy Meal, Jesus. And it hits a moment where Jesus is defining the relationship, and he says, hey, we're not doing that anymore. If you're going to be a follower of me, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're indignant. The religious people start saying, what? Who is this? Isn't this Joseph's son? Do you see here how any one of us at any moment can become so common with Jesus that we miss his invitation to go deeper in him? The people who should have been most prepared to go deep in God were offended by him because he was common to them. Isn't this Jesus from Nazareth? Who is him to be speaking to us in this way? And I'm telling you, it may look a little different for us today. But in a society that tells you you are the most important person on the planet, when Jesus begins to tell you to go his way, it's going to be offensive to you. And many of us, we love serving Jesus as long as he's providing happy meals. As long as it aligns with my dream, my purposes, my desires, my moving up, but Jesus' way is very different. Jesus is like, actually in the kingdom, the greatest is the least. And many of you, you're coming to tables and you're trying to, play, you're trying to take the seat of honor, but, but I honor the one who takes the least seat, the lesser seat. You see, like, his kingdom is so upside down. And many people have said yes to a gospel that is not the gospel of the kingdom. And this, I know we're not to live by fear, but this is a scary thing for me that we would raise up a community of people that are saying yes to Jesus more for what they can get than what they can give. That they're moved by what they're feeling and they're not engaging with God even when God is saying difficult things to them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Jesus is speaking to the crowd and he begins to divide them. But one of my favorite verses actually is, is in, while it's said... Verse 59, he says these things in a synagogue while he was in Capernaum. Many of the disciples heard this. They said, this is a difficult and harsh and offensive statement. Who can listen to it? Isn't that wild? This is Jesus. Who can hear these words? But Jesus, aware that his disciples were complaining, asked them, does this cause you to stumble and take offense? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit. Say, Spirit. Ah." Oh. It is the spirit that gives life, and the flesh is of no profit, conveys no benefit. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But still, there are some of you who do not believe and have faith. For Jesus knew from the beginning who would not believe. For this reason, I say, I've told you, no one can come to me unless he has been granted to him by my Father to do so. Verse 66. As a result of this, many, say Many. Many of his disciples abandoned him and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, interesting, as Jesus gives them this invitation, many of them, I I even feel the tension even today, where some of you are like, man, this is not what I signed up for. I came in today, I've got my problems, and I actually came for you to give me answers to my problems and not to make me feel like a problem. The problem is that we're not giving ourselves to the only solution. There's no problem that's solved with my speaking. There's no problem that's solved with our worship. There's no impartation to give you an abiding lifestyle that will produce much fruit. There's no impartation for that. But if we preach the right gospel, but Jesus, as he was was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, many walked away and then he looks at his 12 and he says, Do you want to leave too? You got to understand, they didn't understand communion. They didn't understand that one day we would be partaking of the Eucharist, Right? This is like Jesus has gone cannibal. Like he's lost his mind. And he turns to them and he says, do you not want to leave? But then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom would we go? You alone, say alone. Alone. Say it again, alone. Alone. I want you to understand it's Jesus alone. There is no other. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, Peter understood it. That's why Jesus would have said to him, upon this rock I will build my church. He understood, you alone have the words that give eternal life. We have believed, confidently trusted, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Even when Peter couldn't understand the way Jesus was leading him, he had confidence in knowing, I'm following him no matter what. When I'm praying for this, for us as a community, guys, like not only that we follow Jesus when the worship's going great or when all of your lives and dominoes are falling the way that you want, but it's like Lord, we we have exhausted every other option. You understand? We've burned the plow. We've we've killed the ox. We've got nowhere else to go. You alone. Say you alone. Oh, you alone have the words that give me life. I've learned to live outside of my temporary circumstances. Your, your, your words have become a life. They have become food for me. This, guys, is available for us. I'm telling you, it's available for us. Where you don't have to receive your daily nourishment from the podcast or the YouTube preacher. Where you can be nourished by the word of God... You can desire the words of your rabbi. And Jesus, he makes this invitation. Listen, he doesn't only confront the crowds. In Luke 14, there's a rich young ruler who shows up on the scene. And he asks Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Oh, rabbi, you and Jesus says, only God is good, but here's what you should do. You know the law. Do not commit adultery. Do not do this. Do not do that. And you got to see the rich, young rulers proud. Like all of these things I have done. Right? If there's anybody that Jesus should have leveraged to be able to be the poster boy for the kingdom, it's this guy. He's got the money. He's got the resources. He's got the status. In our world, we would have said, hey, let's really make sure that guy's happy. Bro, he can fund the ministry. He probably has got great connections. The whole region, like if this guy joins the movement, we can really make it happen. That's the world we live in. Jesus looks at him and he says, oh, yeah, yeah, you've done all this, but this one thing. (laughs) Sell all of your possessions and go. This isn't a message about not having possessions. This is a message about Jesus fully possessing you. He puts his finger on the one thing. He said it was... That's crazy. I I mean, I've got a couple of things. This guy had one thing. There's this one thing yet. Go sell all of your possessions. And then he says, and what? And follow me. And the Bible says that all of a sudden sadness came upon him for he had many possessions. This is sobering to me. That there is a man in the Bible who followed all of the law, which means he knew the law, which means he was acquainted with God's word, right? You can't follow God's law without knowing his word. Yet still, the lure of life had a hook on him to the point where Jesus is standing before him and saying, follow me, and he walks the other way. Jesus turns and he says, hey, actually, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the wealthy to go and get into the kingdom and then peter's like bro we've given up everything peter's that dude he's like bro we've given up houses jobs we've given up everything and then jesus says a statement that should it should actually minister to our souls there's not one of you who haven't given house and relatives and this or that that will not be paid a hundredfold in the kingdom to come and the issue we have is we have lost a value for the kingdom to come Everything we're living for is for this kingdom. And when, and when God's leadership does not propel me to live more comfortable in this kingdom, then I'm going to choose another Lord. Because I can't sing songs about God being good if it doesn't profit my ministry and my thing. But I want to submit to us as family that God's ways are not our ways. God's ways of thinking, I mean, you may have the best strategy and plan for your life, but God's ways are not. Say not. not. They're not our ways. And the greatest gift we could give ourselves is to give our hearts to God's leadership, to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, does Jesus have all of your heart Man, if destiny had that kind of jealousy for like 2009 Geo with a buzz cut, it was a struggle. I'm like, you love that thing? If, if that's, that's earthly jealousy, she says, I know we're not exclusive, but I will share you with no one. This is, this is God. This is, this is the man with eyes that blaze like fire. This is the eternal God, who existed from everlasting, who sent His Son to have you. You think He's gonna share you with a job? You think He's gonna? Sh- I mean, insert whatever. Be responsible. Do you, Boo Boo? I'm not telling you to quit your job tomorrow. My pastor told me to quit my job. I've been waiting for that. That's <laughs> what I'm saying, bro. That's the only thing you heard. There it is. Cha-ching! That you're mad at God. It's like He said, "Quit!" Now I'm broke. God refuses to share His affections with anyone. I'm sorry, nobody told you this. It's like, no, no, you can, you can, like this. This is not a Sunday morning affair. it's, It's Sunday morning. This is my Jesus time. That's crazy. Because to, to categorize one part of your life as Jesus' time means you have a whole another segment of your life that is not. What is it? Is it devil time? World time? I don't know. I don't know what you say it is, but if it's not Jesus' time, it's something different. It's something else. And so, like, there's great deliverance for us. To just simply like, the reality is, this can only be done by the Spirit, but you've got to be willing to say, God, I give you my whole life. You've got to be willing to get to the point where like, man, take the world, but give me Jesus. And I'm going to have my highs, I'm going to have my lows, but we have been conditioned to only love high moments. God, give me the mountain high, don't give me the valley low, but listen... How many of you know we're called to bear fruit and much fruit and fruit only grows in the valley? The fruit, it grows in the low place. And I say it a thousand times, I'll say it again. There is an aspect of God that you can only learn in adversity and trial and difficulty that you will never, N-E-V-E-R, you will never learn on the mountain highs. A revelation of a God who's with you when everybody has left you is only known when everybody's left you when it's only him. A revelation of Jehovah Jireh, God my provider, comes on the backside of the man about to kill his promise. That's when the revelation came. Here's what I'm saying. If all of our fathers had to experience in that way, why would we as believers and followers of this way be any different? I, just, I want us to be delivered from this mentality i don't know i don't know why we think there's a better way there's one way i think this is why jesus would have said man the the path it's narrow and few find it because we we are wired geo not you geo is wired to look for all the wrong things and all the wrong places and even when God plants a seed in Geo's heart, Gio wants to prophesy to that seed to grow quick. If it doesn't start sprouting, I start trying to make things happen. And then we end up with Ishmael's and we get offended with God because the Ishmael is producing a problem. But I'm telling you, there's too many of us that we're settling for the lesser things of God because we're just not embracing the red letters, guys. He says to them, eat my flesh, drink my blood. If any of you wants to follow me, you have to hate your mother, hate your father, hate your brother, hate your sister, take up your cross and follow me. You're like, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know either, but you've got to do something with it. We've got to figure out how that intersects with our American life. Because I can tell you in the Middle East where people are getting killed 30 minutes away, this makes sense to them. When they're reading the Sermon on the Mount, they're like, blessed are you when you are persecuted. They're not thinking, yeah, man, that guy really tore me up on Facebook last week. They're not thinking that. That's not like, that's, it's just a different. But again, in our, in our society, because Jesus loves us and he cares for us, he wants us to engage with his words. Not only does he invite us, but he empowers us. And I, I'll start I'll, I'll end where I started. I wonder, I'll say for me. I'll say for me, and, and I'll leave you to work it out with God. I know that I have been in services where I have heard another gospel, where, where the gospel was centered around Geo's life and Geo's greatness and Geo's advancement. And it wasn't like, man, I, actually you exist. Bonhoeffer said it the best way. When Jesus bids a man to come, he tells him to come to die. I love that, man. You got to read Bonhoeffer's, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Read his story. When Jesus bids a man to come, he bids him to come and to die. It gets like three amens. Because you're like, no, Jesus came to give life and life. Yes, he did on the other side of your dying. He did. He's not going to add life onto our dysfunction, guys. It ain't supersetting it. It's not like dysfunction X2, right? It's not that. It's like, man, I'm going to wait for them to get to the end of themselves. But when they do, I'm going to find them there. And I'm going to fill them with my spirit. And I'm going to give them life. And they're going to realize that all of the things that they were giving themselves to and they thought were going to fill them. I mean, let's just be honest. How many of you have ever given yourself to something and once you got it, it didn't fill you the way you thought? Okay, two on this side. Praise God. Let's see anybody on this side and it's like at what point will we learn it's like oh no i thought if it was going to be this amount of money but actually it's this amount of money and if i get this big of a house no actually it'll be this big of a house then your ac breaks and your refrigerator breaks then you start binding demons you bind the witchcraft it's like no bro it's just an old refrigerator it's just life i bind the refrigerator demon it's like what are we doing but amidst all of that craziness, Jesus makes it so simple. Above all else, seek what? Seek the kingdom of God. You see how he simplifies it? Above all else, seek my kingdom and righteousness and everything that you what? There's a lot of different answers there. But everything we need will be given unto us. It will be added unto us. I love that. Like, Jesus isn't always going to give me what I want, but he'll give me what I need. And for us as as a I just I want to ask you this morning in love, because I I love you guys. Like I my ambition is that one day when Jesus returns, that we would be a company of people standing excited. Assured. Like, oh, could you imagine? We don't talk about this nearly enough, but when the sky split. The last thing I want for you is for there to be any sense of like, oh, am I okay? That's not God's will for you. But I I really, the more I do this, the more I have a conviction. There will be a people that the moment the trumpet sounds and the sky split open and our king and savior comes and he returns, there will be a people that begin to actually say, oh, this is what we've been waiting for. All of the pain, all of the difficulty, all of the adversity. Guys, we, we, we don't yet know adversity. Adversity will come. Adversity will come. We do not yet not know adversity, but here's what I know. Jesus, at the end of one of his dissertations, he says, man, a man does not go to war without looking out and making sure he has enough soldiers to win the battle. A man does not build a house without counting the cost and making sure he has what it takes to build the house. And my question for you is, have you taken account of your life in this way? I mean, practically, guys, like if, if, we, just look, if we just look at our lives, for many of us, we would be, we would be greater followers of Netflix than we would be of Jesus. It's, it's got to get that practical. It doesn't mean you can't watch TV. It just means we've got to ask the right questions. Right? Like, we're greater disciples of Facebook and Instagram than we are of Jesus. And in a world that says, like, you know what? On Instagram, I'm following LeBron James, the greatest basketball player ever. You feel that? You feel that? It's that antichrist spirit. It's a joke. But just because I follow him on Instagram does not mean I know LeBron James. Yeah. I'm not a follower of him, but, but Instagram is telling me that I'm following him, and this is the problem. Like some of you, you've subscribed to Jesus from afar, and like you see the highlights. You come on Sunday, and it's like, that's amazing. But you don't know him. No, you know you know stories that he's done. And, like, you know, the, you know when to jump and when to dance and when to shout. But, like, man, do you know him? Because I, I, there's one thing that I'm 1,000% sure of is he wants you to know him. More than God wants you to do for him, he wants you to know him. Yes. So that whenever you run across somebody who doesn't know him, you're not introducing them to you and your greatness. You're introducing them to the one that you know. Do you use your gifts? Use your do all that but man, let your life point to this one man. So let's stand. I want to pray over us. Are you okay? Yes. You know, it's weird to me that anymore When you're going to preach a message that's Jesus' words, it makes you nervous in the church. I'm not saying I was nervous. I just felt the reality of so many people get offended when you just read the Bible and you just ask questions. But, But, like, I just, I want to ask the Holy Spirit for help this morning. That's how I want to end. I want to ask him for help to live the way he's called us to live. And for those of you in the room that you're like, I, I don't, this isn't about making you feel eternally insecure. Actually, it's about you moving towards eternal security. This is what this is about. It's not like, oh, you're not saved. This is about like, man, this is eternal life to know him. It's the Bible. And so I want to pray over our hearts this morning. And I want to ask the Holy Spirit, can we do it together? Can we just ask the Holy Spirit for help? Holy Spirit, we ask you this morning that you would empower us to live as true disciples of your son Jesus. God, in a world where there are so many gospels and so many professions and so many things said, we want the pure, unadulterated word of God. God, we want to live the way you've called us to live. In a world that is so convoluted and full of many other lovers, help us to love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to help us not be offended with your son's leadership. We want to follow your way. We want to live in your life. We want to live in your truth. We're asking you even now to show us. Many of us, even like the rich young ruler, maybe the Lord is speaking to you about one area. I pray this morning that there would be grace on you to actually be able to stay and not be sad and turn away. Holy Spirit, show us. This is the reason that the Holy Spirit was poured out, guys, not just for loud songs and activity, but to show us any area where we are disconnected from the Father. So God, show us any area of our lives where we are separated and connect us back to the vine. This morning, we want to repent in any area of apathy, unbelief, or compromise in sin. I just want to give an opportunity right now for you to just have a moment with God. If there's anything in your heart or in your life that you need to repent of, confess it to the Father And then turn. That's what to repent means to turn. God, give grace for a turning this morning. God, even in ministry and in trying to build things, God, give us grace to turn and to set our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the perfecter of our faith, you are the great builder. I just feel like for some of us maybe we've been idle and there's not there's no great sin issue but just your heart it's just you know it's like blah meh. I feel like the Holy Spirit this morning just wants to touch you again to give grace to not feel indifferent. You know, actually, I want to give a moment to just define the relationship. I just feel like some of you, you just need to make that commitment to, I'm following Jesus. I'm not asking you if you've lifted your hands in a sermon before. Even cried tears. I'm asking you this morning, will you follow him? If that's you, you're in the room, you're like, I just need, a, I just need to like actually activate my faith. Would you just lift up a hand just all across the room? It's fine. I just... Sometimes it's necessary just to activate. We want to pray for you this morning for the Holy Spirit to touch you. Can I get my shepherd? Just put it high. We're going to pray for you right now. Right back here, right over here. It's good. We're going to pray. This isn't about you trying harder. Father, in Jesus' name, would you pray with me, church? Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you right now to activate, to touch Every believer in this room that is committed to following you. I'm asking you right now, Holy Spirit, would you fill them? Would you fill them with your spirit? Would you move in their lives, God? Would you begin to open up doors? God, show them the way. Open up doors, God, where they can follow you. Regardless of understanding or misunderstanding, Regardless of of offense in our minds, when we don't understand what you're doing, give them grace, courage, and boldness to commit to your way. Holy Spirit, fill them now. Fill them. Fill them. Every bit of anxiety and depression and feelings, God, would you remove even now? I know there's no music and it's awkward, but I just want to sit for a moment. Father, wash us. Let us not be those who who feel like they're in need of nothing. But God, this morning, we want to be followers of the way. We want to know you intimately, God. We want to engage with your word. We want to be like Peter. Where else would we go? We have resolved. You are the one who gives the words of life. God, I pray this morning that you would seal every decision that was made. That no power of the enemy or demonic power would stifle or stop that which you have started. We thank you that weapons may form, but they will not prosper. We speak blessing over your people, prosperity over your people, to go and preach the gospel from neighbor to nations. Open our eyes to see the harvest. Help us to see, God, to be salt and to be light. Use us, God. Use us, God. Use us, God. Let us go and be good representations of your Son. We bless you. Even as we close, Father, I pray that no one today would leave under condemnation or guilt. We thank you that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are loved and you are seen. But God is calling you up. So, Father, we say yes. Yes to the invitation. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 Hey, listen, we love you. There's going to be some people up here that will be here to pray with you.